0: You're listening to the Screeners Podcast
1: Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And we're back to talk all things media. Daniel, this is a rough time. It is.
1: No Uh, joke. It's a rough time right now.
0: It is a rough time in the world. We are right in the middle of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and we are in the United States anyway, kind of hitting that first wave of major quarantines. The tourism industry, the entertainment industry has been substantially Mm -hmm. impacted so much. So you were telling me before we started recording, you live in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. and you were saying that the casinos are shutting down. Is that right?
1: So so I think it's important to say we're recording this on Monday, uh, March 16th, because just hours from now, everything else could be different because things keep changing so rapidly. So that's when we're recording this. As of tomorrow, uh, it looks like all the casinos are going to shut down here in Las Vegas. And that is just, I mean, my heart breaks for this city because it's Going to be so many people's uh,
0: livelihoods, yeah, Yeah, friends, Uh, yeah, it's
1: just terrible,
0: it's rough. And where I live in Tennessee, schools are closed for the next at least two weeks into April, many offices are closed. We've already got uh, a citywide ban against gatherings Mm -hmm. of more than I think 25 or 50 people, and it's just a really rough time. And so, we here at the screeners recognize that and wanted to lead the show saying we all uh, feel the pain we are all feeling the pinch and we're you know hoping and wishing and praying for the best yeah. for for all of our listeners and, uh, and, in a and time that we're going to talk about movies and things that right. we enjoy you know we recognize that this is a tough time for a lot of people ourselves included
1: yeah and, and we are going to talk about the impact on the entertainment industry and w- I, I don't want it to be lost that we we get it that there are much bigger things to be concerned about right now than Absolutely. than not getting to see the movies i, I it's okay to, i i still think it's okay to talk about those things i'm disappointed that some movies aren't coming out and we're going to talk sure. about that. I mean, and I don't, I don't think there's a problem with that disappointment, but, uh, but I, I don't want it to get, be lost that we are absolutely, our, our hearts go out to anybody who's losing, losing income because of this or, or their health is impacted. I know, um uh, you know, I know relatives, you know, my mom is, is, is in the, the high risk kind of category. And so, um and so, you know, we're, we're all, we all have people who are going to be impacted by this. And so, so our hearts, our hearts uh, and prayers go out to, go out to all of that uh,
0: absolutely and we just want to say everybody stay safe yeah. uh, wash your hands keep away take it seriously it is serious don't mm. go to bars don't yeah. hang out you know just stay away for a few weeks and let's get this thing under control so that we can get back to talking about things that we love like cinema and mm. if you're stuck at home uh, use this time to be productive. Spend time with family. Uh, you may get a little stir crazy, but above all, just stay safe. So Daniel, let's get the the sad talk out of the yes. way now. Let's transition into how this is impacting some of the industry. And specifically, a, a news story broke this morning. Yeah. In any other time, this would be massive news. It's one of the items that many people who don't like going to the theater. As a matter of fact, we had Uh, someone post a response to our article about this saying that they really have social anxiety and so going to the theater is a really big challenge for them Mm. and so this news was really welcome to them and honestly that's not something I'd ever really considered before I just kind of had my blinders on and didn't think about the fact that there are a lot of people that probably just going to the cinema and being around a lot of people is not their bag but NBC Universal because of the reshuffling of multiple, multiple, not just NBC, but multiple studios have postponed the release of their films until this stabilizes because of the closures of theaters and not wanting to lose, obviously, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. NBC has made an announcement that this weekend for a couple of days, they are going to release uh, is it two or three films uh, on Many demand? More, it's
1: more than that, actually. It's, uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, the ones that they announced are going to be The Hunt, Invisible Man, and Emma. Um, and then and then they announced that Trolls World Tour is going to re-release oh, that's a big day one. and date. So uh, that comes out, I believe, yeah. what is it? It's like March, I mean, uh, April 10th, I believe, is the April
0: date. April 10th, sounds right. So that's a really big deal. So Trolls World Tour is one of those films that typically would make hundreds of millions of yeah. dollars. And so it's a very interesting model and one that I think some people have sticker shock at the beginning but when they when when you unpack it a mm-hmm. little bit I think it's a fantastic value. So
1: the exact same thing like you said the sticker shock like I looked at it and I was like wow, 20 bucks to rent it and then I kind of paused for a second and I was like wait, these are theatrical releases. That's it. If I was paying 10 bucks a, a ticket for me and my wife to go, that's that's it right there. So um, That's yeah it. 20 bucks is really pretty reasonable. I mean, I'm not gonna be doing this for every wide release, like I would go see them in the theater, probably, right. But for big ones, yeah, I mean, I'll do it for sure.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting because it's not just a one-time view. You get a 48-hour rental period mm-hmm. for $20. So you can watch it as many times, I would imagine, as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you just have 48 hours to watch it once. We don't, I don't want to have all the details on that yet. But Well, I mean, the they're, idea- they're
1: releasing it to Apple and Amazon, presumably just as normal rentals, just with a higher higher price. So yeah, I mean higher price. when you when you rent something on Apple, you have forty eight hours to watch it as many times as you want within that period of time. So
0: Right. So my son is seven and when he was very much looking forward to seeing this. And so when I told him that we weren't going to get to go to theater, he was very sad. But when I told him it was going to be at home, the very first thing he said was, Can we get some popcorn and some friends and have a movie party? Oh, that's awesome. Now we can't really have a movie party (laughs) because of the (laughs) virus. But the idea behind that is for 20 bucks, you could have your family over, your friends over and watch this thing. So I really do think it's an excellent value. And I think the price is right. More importantly, though, Daniel, this is just a hypothesis that I have. And you and I share, we were talking before the show is I really think that this is a test for the general audience Mm -hmm. and this model. I think if People will respond to this in a way. Now, again, it's trolls world world tour, so it's a movie that's going to be geared toward families. Right, right. But if people will get behind this and spend the money that it hits a certain level with the studios, then it's we have at least the potential that this kind of thing could happen more into the future. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that you know, like I said, we're recording this Monday night, um, 6 p.m. Pacific. I think that if I think by the end of the week, uh, Every major studio will have something like this in place. Um, I think. I think absolutely all of them are going to follow this model because they know, for minimum the next three months, they're going to be making the bare minimum of, right. of any money on theatrical releases. Regal Cinemas have just shut down. Uh, I'm sure AMC, uh, they're, they're, as of Tuesday, they will be shut down. Uh, I'm sure AMC and Cinemark are to follow. So, so they're not going to be making any money at the cinema. So, you might as well recoup some costs and release some some of these movies that they spent so much money on. Uh, at home, so yeah, I think um, I, it's absolutely a test—a test for the future. It's something that's done out of necessity, right? But um, necessity often breeds, you know, breeds invention, and so I think right. a lot of times, yeah, I think that this could absolutely be something that changes Hollywood forever. it's It has the potential to do that. So we've been talking about this for years right? We've been talking about those What was I forget what it was called. We talked about it on the show years ago um, that somebody was pioneering some, some streaming service to allow you to stream uh, theatrical releases at home, like new releases, but it was going to be like 50 bucks a movie or something crazy.
0: Yeah, there is a service out there and the name escapes me at the time and it's primarily used by very wealthy individuals. Right. Yeah. Um, it's thousands and thousands of dollars to get a lot license and then you're right it's like 50 to 100 dollars uh, per release on top of that uh on top of that license
1: so yeah I, I i'm just curious like you said trolls world tour is something aimed at families and then the other releases that they've announced the hunt invisible man which has already you know done pretty well at the box office and emma right. are all fairly specialty releases So I'm curious to see what Disney does with Mulan, for instance, which is the release has been pulled, but do they release, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. I feel like Disney is going to be one of the most, one of the studios, most resident to, to kind of pursue something like this. Um, What if they released Mulan on Disney plus for like a, a pay upgrade, right? Like you can right. uh, maybe anybody could rent it for $30, but Disney Plus subscribers can rent it for 15 for instance, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um,
0: and we should say that Disney has also released Frozen 2 yeah. uh, on Disney Plus, which was about two months ahead of schedule. They
1: also also released uh, Rise of Skywalker to VOD services uh, to rent. They uh, can keep that one. But Frozen (laughs) 2. Come
0: on. No, that is very cool. That is very cool. The thing about this, Daniel, before we move on to some other topics here, is that we still, as much as I want things to be available to me when I want it Mm. as an entitled individual (laughs) um, when it comes to, to cinema, I I have been on record on the show many times as saying I still hold the theatrical viewing experience as kind of a sacred thing. I prefer it. But more than that, and and it's hard not to think about in this time where so many people's livelihoods are being uh, threatened, is the tension of most theater owners make the majority of their money on concessions and people being in the theater. And so we have we've always had this push and pull for this theatrical release window because the studios want to release it earlier but the theater owners need it to be later so that they can continue to drive people to come back to the theater time and time again as their profits go up the longer it's in a cinema so it's just one of those things this tension between those two worlds where i want everybody to be able to thrive at the same time this i do think is going to cause people to have to rethink Mm -hmm. is this a viable model moving forward so it's it's a crazy time crazy time in movies especially because you know, who knows? Like you said, we may be three months mm-hmm. at least Minimal. before we so the cool thing is once this passes and people it's going to pass mm-hmm. yeah. is that the end of the summer to the fall could be slammed with great movies. Well,
1: that's the interesting thing, too, is uh, or not. It they could be all in
0: 2021. Right. Like
1: they don't want I mean, you know, F9, which, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I am not on board with the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, that was pushed to, to 2021 already. So that was going to just come out in two months. So, you know, I, I don't know. They they also, even when things do return to normal, these movies can't just step on each other's toes, right? So otherwise that's going to hurt them even, uh, you know, in a different way. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just going to, this I, is unprecedented. It's, it's unprecedented.
0: I think the one thing that you can count on, though, is that once the public feels as if it is safe to go out, they're going to be ready to go out. So we'll see. Anything else we want to talk about, Daniel, with that before we move on?
1: No, just in terms of our schedule, you know, we are a movie podcast, and uh, there's not going to be a lot of movies uh, coming out soon. So luckily we do talk TV. You know, today we're, we're going to be talking about Watchmen, which ended uh, a couple months ago but we're going to talk about it because there's not going to be a lot of new releases out uh, in in the coming weeks so we're going to be finding ways to fill the time we are going to be talking about more TV because that's not going to be really slowing down anytime soon and we'll find other things to do we're going to be we're going to be revisiting things uh, other things we've already been brainstorming we're going to be putting together a schedule here soon um, talking about um, you know maybe our all time favorite films which we've never done on this podcast uh, or uh, revisiting some of our top 10s from previous years and and we have already mentioned on the podcast that we're going to be doing a, um, a best of the decades for, for the early 2000s. And so all, right. all of those things are going to be in the works. And so we'll have we will have things to, to kind of fill the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. So stay tuned for all of that. We are uh, going to do our best to keep coming up with new content and talk about things that we like and that are interesting and also hopefully make some suggestions for you, starting with this show on some things that you can watch while you are at home. So, tough times ahead, but we're all in it together and uh, we'll keep pressing on. So, uh, with that out of the way, let's move to our review of Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic, but times change.
1: Oh. Morning, Mom. Hey,
0: birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. Oh.
1: <gasps> No way! It's a wizard, staff. Dad was a wizard! What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back! What? Back? Like, back to life? That's not possible. It is with this! I'm gonna meet Dad? The IMDb description of Onward reads, Set in a suburban fantasy world, two teenage elf brothers embark on a quest to discover if there is still magic out there. This is directed by Dan Scanlon, who previously directed Monsters University, and it stars Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as our two brothers, along with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer, and more. Uh, so yeah this is one of two pixar releases we're supposedly getting this year of course we don't know what's going to happen with soul that's expected to premiere this summer but we are uh, ready to review it now this is a couple weeks old we missed it when it first came out and uh and then because of uh COVID 19 you know we've had we've had some schedules but we're here to talk about it now um so chad you know, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this film. Um, I also want to hear. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about what people expected with this film. You are somebody who avoided trailer, who avoids trailers in general. True. Did you share the the kind of hesitancy that a lot of people had with this film, or how how did your uh, avoidance of trailers help you with this film?
0: Well, to be honest with you, my trailer free life is kind of a hybrid. And so if it's a movie that I know I'm going to see, then I try to avoid all trailers. Maybe I'll watch a, you know, a teaser. But if it's a movie I don't know anything about, then a lot lot of times I will watch a teaser. And after about 30 seconds or so, if I feel like I know enough about it, I'll stop watching. In this case, all I really needed to know was that it was Pixar. So I didn't see any trailers, but I also have a seven-year-old, and right. he wants to show me the trailer, and he wa- he gets excited about the movie. So I didn't watch any trailers, certainly not all the way through, but I had seen just a little bit about it. But I still went into this film, I would say, completely unsullied, if you will, as far as I really didn't know much, if anything, about the plot. I didn't realize that it was going to be in this magical universe I didn't know really anything about anything I thought it was a little bit interesting that Pixar was releasing it as early as they did just a lot of times you get pictures like the good dinosaur or something like that and so just automatically I kind of assumed that this may be I don't want to say disappointing but something where they weren't fully behind and you know I have to say my overall experience I saw it with my son who adored it and I have to say that I really kind of just liked it a mm. lot. I don't, I'm a huge fan of fantasy just in general. And so I really enjoyed the world building of Onward of the fantasy world. I like the, I like the different characters and and how they work off of each other. I like the world building that they accomplished in, in setting up the the magic and the rules around what was going to happen. I thought the MacGuffin was interesting enough to hold my attention ultimately though what I really enjoyed about the movie is I have five younger brothers and so a lot of the brother stuff really worked for me where you pick on your brothers and you fight but you are closer than can be described and so i really liked that aspect of it big picture though i have to say that i think this movie is really very good And the idea that they had, it could have been great. But I don't think, because of some missteps along the way, I don't think it fully gets there. And if we uh, do spoilers, we can talk about that. But high points for me, I think it's visually stunning. The ending scene, without Mm -hmm. divulging uh, what happens there, I think is spectacular. The movie really came to life there from a visual design standpoint and a conceit. I loved all of that. Things just happen in this movie. just a, They're just a little too easy, mm-hmm. a little too convenient. Uh, it's a story that we've kind of seen the beats of a lot. But again, it's not offensive. It's not in a way that makes you feel cheated or that it's lazy. It's just It just ended up for me being a scenario where I thought, That was really good. I don't know that I have any desire to revisit it. Uh, It's certainly not upper tier Pixar. But on the whole... Uh, it was really solid, and it has an it has an ending that I you know I did read after it was over. A lot of people are emotionally wrecked at the end of it, and it didn't have that impact on me. I felt like I wanted to go there, but it short circuited itself for some various reasons that we can get into a little bit later, where it just didn't fully land for me. But overall, I don't understand. The there seems to be kind of a pushback against the movie, and I don't really understand that. It's got a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes as far as the user score, and about an eighty seven or something from a from a top critics. So I think it's being well regarded, but most people are overall. The feeling I'm getting is that it's kind of like meh, pretty good. Uh, and I think I'm, I think it's a little bit better than that overall. What about you? What did you think?
1: So yeah, I I. Definitely saw the trailer. Um, I, I don't live the trailer-free life, really. You know, like I said, it, it was no secret that many people uh, were pretty hap- apprehensive about the movie, and and uh, so was I. I thought the trailer made it look like an average DreamWorks movie. The the world kind of seemed more goofy than than most Pixar movies, and so right. I I, I kind of joined them in that is in that hesitancy. You know, this world is centered on fairies and elves and magic, and it makes it feel much more generic than most Pixar movies. Um, Just because there are so many animated films that cover this territory. Now, obviously, there, there, this film does cover in a different way, it's a different spin on it, but still, it it definitely, you, it did feel pretty generic as far as the world goes. You know, I'm, I'm curious that you, you, you said that you really enjoyed the world. We'll, We'll talk more about that. Because that's I think the weakest point of the of the movie. Now it works the world, um, but it's so much in the vein of Zootopia or Monsters University, where it's all just it's non human characters inhabiting a world exactly like ours. And so there's a lot of puns, like instead of Mountain Dew you have Mountain Doom, uh, and that sort of thing. And <laughs> and it's fine, like it's it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with it it's just i feel like i've seen this so much in I- including from pixar and disney um very recently zootopia especially i mean this movie reminds me so much of zootopia interesting it, it, i mean it does i mean the the, the police characters you know it's just it, it reminds me a lot of that in terms of the world now because of that, it took it took a little bit for this movie to click into a groove. Outside of being just fine, um, the animation though is predictably stunning. You know, it's it's really really well done as really as you is. would expect from from Pixar. And then the story itself, in terms of the plot beats, is pretty straightforward and honestly kind of thin. It's it's a point A to point B quest. You know, there's a MacGuffin, like you said, and it works. It works. You know, it had me it sure. had me interested. But the emotions of this story are where it elevated itself to a higher level. This movie tackles grief and loss and a sense of emptiness head on. That is what really, really worked for me in this movie. And uh, and because of the way it tackled these emotions, I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I feel like I'm right right about where right. you are. I'm around. I liked it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of weak stuff here. But the in a classic Pixar fashion, it just tackles these emotions really, really well, and um, and it it really comes alive. Um, Ian's pain, Ian the the Tom Holland character, his his pain at never knowing his dad um, is, is. Kind of raw and well done, yeah, um, for sure. And adding the magical spell that brings his dad half alive was was fun. That was real. That was that was cute. That was interesting.
0: Yeah, I had um, a lot of weekend at Bernie moments that were really right, kind of yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: I, I was totally in for that. Um, and and it doesn't stop there. That I was really really moved by the brotherly love story that was here. For sure. Their relationship worked so so well. Uh, I want to talk
0: about that in, in spoilers for sure. Yes, you're right. And
1: and the movie isn't always subtle uh, in these depictions uh, or in their relationship or anything like that, but it's, it's pretty effective, a lot more effective than I expected. So onward really snuck up on me. The, the ending, like you, like you said, it was really good. And it, Powerfully directed. Um. Uh, at the end, in, in in a way that I didn't expect, it gives you kind of uh, something you don't expect at the end, and and uh, it had me at tears. To be to be honest, I, I really really liked yeah. liked the ending. So in the end, and I'll I'll ask you this question too. We always talk about what tier of Pixar does this land on, right? And so. For me, I would say it's it's solidly in the middle, so that might sound like, eh, but really, I mean, it's in the middle of some of the best movies ever made, and so I think that's a really respectable place to land. I think this is a, a very good movie. I'm not sure I would say I... Well, I I might I wouldn't say I loved it. I, I really, really, really like this movie a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where if I didn't know that this was a Pixar movie, I could hypothetically watch this and say that was... From the people that did how to train your dragon yeah. mm-hmm. or yeah. you know to echo your point when you say that it's a pixar film you are automatically your your anticipation raises yes and your expectations are higher which is just a result of their their success throughout the years and so when you compare it against other pixar movies you can say well it's mid pixar and it sounds like a slight but mid-Pixar is a fantastic place to be. Yep. I agree with yep. you wholeheartedly. I think there are several Pixar films that are not as good as Onward. And yet, I, for me, I'm I'm on that line where I don't, you know, I really liked it. And I think the message was emotional and beautiful. But I'm not excited to revisit it. I think sure. we need to talk about it in spoilers. But I agree, this is a really, really good movie. I think from a box office standpoint, it's one of their Lower openings, well, is that right?
1: yeah, but it's it's really hard to gauge it at this point because... That's true. It did open... It, it opened slightly before stuff really started to hit the fan here in America, but there's no doubt that the box office was impacted by that. Now, I, yeah. that said, I still think it would have been one of the lower openings for Pixar, but at this point, it's kind of like the, the box office kinda numbers hard are to tamed, tell. yeah.
0: Yeah, but overall, I, I agree with you, Daniel. I think it's solid mid-tier Pixar, and I can't imagine anybody watching this movie and not liking it or thinking that it's a bad film. I don't think it's that at all.
1: Uh, yeah, anything b- we want to talk about before we do spoilers for this movie? I know we, we still have Watchmen we want to talk about, but I think we can still um, yeah. touch on some spoiler stuff here. Um, I think
0: overall Chris Pratt, for me, sometimes can... Draw attention to the fact that it's Chris Pratt doing yeah. the voice, so I was a little bit worried that that was going to pull me out. And a couple of times he danced with it, but I think overall both performances by Chris Pratt uh, and Tom Holland are really stellar. I think it's I think it's excellent work from those two all yeah. around.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Tom Holland was was really really good, and Julie, Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus. It was actually kind of hard to tell that was her voice. Like it, yeah. it, it really didn't sound like her very much, but. Did you did you see the Zootopia comparison? Do you see that?
0: I do. I see it. I do see it. I do see it. You know, and I know this is controversial, but I actually I enjoyed this movie more than I did Zootopia. yes yeah, uh For the for a lot of different reasons, but yes, I, I do. I do. Can I do see that for sure? And it's kind of like Monsters University as well. Yeah. It's this. You take these groups of people, you have fairies or witches or wizards, and then you make the idiosyncrasies of each one of those play off of each other. And it's it's always enjoyable to see that. So when I said I enjoyed the world building, it wasn't because it was anything unique. I think it this movie does have a silliness to it. And I think the back and forth banter of within the world made me. Just enjoy it. I mean, I didn't love it, but I I think that's what I liked about it.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's it's really good. And um, I definitely want to talk about the ending. So um, for sure, normally we would we would go around and do our recommendation. That that feels (laughs) that feels pretty. It feels inappropriate to do that now. So really, we're just going to break it down. Chad, do you recommend seeing this movie uh, or should people skip this movie?
0: Right. Well, my my scale is always on worthiness. So is this theater worthy? Absolutely, it's absolutely theater worthy. If uh, if we could go to the theater, it's worth your money, is what I'm trying to say. Sure, you will not sure. be disappointed.
1: Yeah. So if Di- I guess you know I could I could pose it a different way. If Disney ends up joining Universal and having some uh, releasing some of its theatrical releases t- to rent for a higher price than normal, should people pay twenty dollars, for instance, to rent yes. onward? Yes.
0: Yes. Hundred percent. I awesome. mean, this is you know the only only way the math doesn't work out is if you're by yourself watching it, but if you but I mean to be honest with you, if you just are if you're going stir crazy and you need to see a film and you're willing to pay twenty bucks and can then it's worth it it's it's a delightful time, i think
1: yeah, I'm with you I'm with you it, it's definitely worth a watch um it's uh it's it's absolutely um fun for the family and really really sweet and it might uh, it might make you cry so. There you go. All right, with that, we are going to jump into a brief spoiler discussion for Onward. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You
0: want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the has brought me off my alps in Austria
1: and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me in the dream I knew that he was going on ahead and he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there and all that dark and all that cold and I knew that whenever I got there he'd be there and then I woke up all right chad I, I let's just let's just dive right into the ending here um you know to, yeah. to just kind of recap uh, uh the dragon thing is attacking right as they do the spell right is that what it is yeah the
0: the dragon attacks and we we get the misdirection of ian um, not getting to say goodbye, but barley, barley gets gets the opportunity to. Yeah, and that um,
1: the way that that they staged that, the way it was shot with the through the rocks where where Ian, he couldn't see, he could yep. he could only he couldn't hear them, he could only see their conversation. It was brilliant. was it's brilliant, so effective, and I didn't yeah I didn't know that that's exactly where the story needed to go until it happened. And here's here's
0: the problem. So here's here's why it didn't land for me quite as well because I agree. All the way through this journey, we these brothers are dealing with emotions of loss, loss of their father, and it works. They're also dealing with their conflicting emotions toward each other, and they're discovering their hidden pain that they have all these kinds of serious things that pixar always does such a wonderful job of burying in their quote-unquote kids movies right and so they're dealing with this and they're on the journey and they're in the boat on their way back they're trying to find this this final piece that's gonna what they think is going to um, unlock the mystery for their for their dad for them to spend just a few moments with him before the sun goes down And they're on the boat right before they get to the last section and just literally out of nowhere instead of and this is for me was the one part where I thought, okay, this is just not up to Pixar level instead of them showing us through actions in their journey. Or elegantly explaining all of this because up to this point where a hundred percent on the ian just wants to see his dad he just needs to get a chance to meet his dad who he's never met right the other brother barley just flat out speaks the thesis of the theme of the th- film right to ian and says and I never got a chance to say goodbye. I mean, he literally, there is a a scene where he just Mm. spells out, I regret the fact that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my dad, and I said this last thing as we left, and it's never, so at that point, not knowing how they were gonna handle it, it put that in my head like, that's really clunky exposition, they just vomited this whole thing that he's thinking, and then the very next scene is where it happens and so i feel like that's where they dropped the ball if if there would have been a way to not just spell it out but kind of sh- weave that throughout the storyline so that when it gets to the end it felt organic that his brother. And then to follow that up then when Ian walks over to the edge of the cliff and he takes his little notepad and he just checks off each one of the things and it immediately flashes back to his brother. It just felt like oh it's so on the nose, it's so yeah. on the nose. The challenging part of this though is that the sentiment underneath it is beautiful. Yeah. It's perfect and it's beautiful and it's like you said, it's directed that last sequence in such a marvelous and masterful way. That you can't help but be moved. But for me, it fell short of just going over the top because just in that last 15 minutes, they had to get so much exposition out of the way to set that up that it just fell short for me. And that's a Mm -hmm. bummer. While still working while still I'm a human it's impossible for me not to be moved <laughs> by it, and I was and I right. still cried, but I felt like it could have been one step further if it just hadn't been so on the nose
1: sure i I won't disagree with you very very much but i I don't remember feeling the um i don't remember experiencing uh that as much of an exposition dump um uh, you know i think I think those are it w- given the conversations that they're having i I, I feel like that's a pretty natural thing for him to to have said is man, I never got to say goodbye to my dad. So, um, so I don't know. I didn't, I didn't experience that way, but I I definitely, the ending where he's checking things off and it's flashing back that I definitely felt was very on the nose while still being very effective. Um, Yeah. While still working. (laughs) It's because it's because of how I, I can't think of another movie that shows us brotherly love in this sort of way. It's really about, brothers who are growing to love each other in a way that they hadn't before and um showing that relationship was yeah just felt pretty unique i mean maybe there's a bunch of movies that i'm forgetting at this point but i I just i just thought that was really really very well done when you think it's a movie about a a father-son relationship um which we've seen a, a million of those and it's great but uh it turns out to be this whole other thing so yeah. yeah,
0: and it was it was very well handled, and yeah. the action, the the look of the dragon with the mm-hmm. the painted face on the side of the brick becoming his face—it's just beautiful stuff. Yeah. It's absolutely and thrilling, great action all the way through that. So yeah. it's really really excellent.
1: Yeah, overall, um, yeah, the the plot, you know, the the whole journey was. It was fine, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Like I, I it wasn't anything great, but I, I liked the conversations that they had. I liked, you know, yep. th- it was reasonably funny. The whole thing sure. with the um, what were they, pixies? Um, yep. they were like bikers. Like that, that was funny. Those, those were funny. Yeah.
0: But on the flip side of that, Octavia Spencer, whose performance is great as the Manticore, I just that character yeah. was so typical of every animated. Mm-hmm. Feature, you know, that you've seen it's she's the over the top mm-hmm. and didn't that didn't feel like a Pixar film yep. to me
1: that felt like Zootopia. Uh, you yeah. know, it was it was the lion character, you know, it right. really felt like Zootopia. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm fully with you there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But overall, really solid.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely enjoyed it. And I, I think you and I are kind of on the same page about Zootopia. Neither of us really. I like the movie like I think it's
0: fine yeah it's, yeah. it's
1: good I, I'm still a little flabbergasted that it won the Oscar and and seems Man. to be really beloved and I, I know. I, I'm, I'm a little confused by that not that it's bad I just don't quite get the love for it but you know yeah maybe. it's fine it's fine yeah so all right well that wraps up our onward discussion uh, definitely a recommendation from the two of us even if it's not quite up to Pixar standards it's still very 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 good so definitely check that out uh, As soon as Disney, Disney releases it early Because that's got to be inevitable at this point So definitely, It's definitely. worth it people, do it Yep, they gotta do it Alright, let's dive into a discussion of uh, Something, you know, almost the exact Same thing as Onward uh, And that is <laughs> HBO's Watchmen People who wear masks
0: Are driven by trauma They're obsessed with Justice
1: because of some injustice they suffered. Ergo, the mask. It hides the pain. I wear the mask to protect myself. Right, from the pain. There was a cavalry involved shooting last night. You gonna give me the speech now? What speech? I should calm down and take a breath before we're at war again. No. There's a guy in my trunk.
0: So when this was announced that Damon Lindelof, coming off of what, in my opinion, is an all-time great run for um, The Leftovers, I adore those three seasons. I think it's perfect television. I didn't know what to think. Uh, I am a longtime fan of the original graphic novel, Watchmen. And it, well, it became a graphic novel. It was originally released, serialized. Uh, It is One of the classic uh, graphic novels, it is very much of its time during the Cold War, and it was revolutionary uh, for that medium. And so when I found out that essentially this was going to take place 34 years after the events of the comic series um, set in an alternate history of the 20th century, consider me intrigued. Now, I, unfortunately, because of scheduling and all kinds of things, I wasn't able to watch this until the last three weeks or so, Daniel. Mm -hmm. And I have delighted in being able to go through this series uh, in a relatively short time. I didn't binge all of it in a day, but over the course of maybe a week and a half, I watched the entire season. And so what I want to ask you is, One, and and I'll get to why I think this is, Um, you and I discussed this, I think, offline a little bit, and we've also talked some on the show. I really do believe that your viewing experience of this season, and this may be controversial to say for people that, that have seen it and love it or maybe even hate it, but I don't really see how you could watch this season having not read the graphic novel and have an understanding and not just be completely confused and lost at least for the first four or five episodes. I understand that it can stand alone, but there are so many, and these are not just Easter eggs like, oh, that headline from the comic or that, the structure that it takes. It's not just that. There are so many characters and moments and things that enrich the viewing experience. I'm very curious to see because i believe you had not read the the novel graphic novel before seeing it so i am curious to see how that impacted your viewing of this season it is universally i mean it's really high critically acclaimed So we're going to just do a brief discussion. We're going to keep everything spoiler free and only talk about basic plot points. So if you don't want to hear any plot points, then you should skip forward uh, to our Netflix top three recommendations. But we are going to keep it surface level and talk about the series arc as a whole and our thoughts. So Daniel, as someone who has not read the graphic novel, uh, I am curious, what do you think about Watchmen?
1: Yes. So I, I definitely, I mentioned it a few weeks ago on our catch up episode and that I wasn't super into it yet. And that was four episodes in, I will definitely say that uh, you're right. As somebody who has not read the watchman graphic novel. And I only, I watched the movie once years ago. Don't really remember it. So I'm, I'm pretty much a newbie here to the watchman universe. You're right. I was super confused for most of the series. Um, yeah, I, I, it makes me feel a little crazy because there there is high critical claim here. So you know, I definitely seem to be on the uh, on the outskirts. But I will say, it definitely clicks in by episode six. Um, now that's way too freaking long to click yeah, in, especially because there's only nine there's episodes nine in the series. <laughs> so um, so it's over halfway through, but it does click in. And it ends really well, so I actually really enjoyed this as a whole because the last few episodes are really okay. enjoyable. So, you know, it's so well shot and acted. I love that it takes a spin on racism and racial inequality. I had no idea that that was going to be um, kind of a major theme throughout the throughout the series, and so that worked really well. And and the ending was unexpectedly poignant, and it and it really worked. So, my problem is just that for the first five episodes, which is more than half the show, is that it tries to build mystery I suppose in such a way that it intentionally doesn't bring the audience along it's really hard you don't comprehend what's happening really until the last few episodes and so it does answer most of the plot questions though like now I understand what was happening those first few episodes so I understand that that was probably intentional keep them guessing but it doesn't bring you along enough. It's not fun watching five hours of television and feeling stupid for not being able to put pieces together yet. Yeah. Um, I, that, I, that's why I keep going back and forth. Cause at the same time as that was very frustrating when it did click in, it worked. And, and the conclusion is mostly worth it. It's enjoyable. Um, I think maybe, you, maybe others won't be as frustrated. I, I can't binge watch as easily these days, just with my schedule uh, with kids and stuff. So I kind of have to, you know, it took me a, quite a few weeks to get through the series even though there's only 9 episodes. So maybe if I watched, you know, watched this over the course of a few days, maybe maybe uh I would would have liked it more, but you know, it it's still it's short and it's definitely worth a watch, but it definitely it took me a while to get there. So so that was kind of my viewing experience. Uh Chad, what did you think?
0: I really hate to be that guy that that says, "Well, if you were to have read the graphic novel, all of your problems but it I also have to be honest and say that this is, out of all the media that I've consumed in my lifetime, which is a great deal, this is the clearest example that I can think of where I think without knowledge, and not just knowledge, but a fairly thorough understanding of the original source material by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, that this experience is much less than, uh, so much so that you know, there have been adaptations and there have been uh, works that have expanded the universe in the past, and we almost always use the litmus test of, but can it stand on its own? And so I'm glad to hear that for you, You felt like at least the last three episodes pulled it up to where you thought that it was at least somewhat worth the journey. The problem with that, though, I think you are not alone, Daniel. Mm -hmm. I think there are probably (laughs) hundreds of thousands of people that watch this show that are in the same boat as you, and I feel bad for them because my experience as someone familiar with the graphic novel is the polar opposite of yours. I think this is one of the most brilliant seasons of television that I've ever seen. I think from a craft standpoint, uh, like you said, it is off the charts. It's shot gorgeously. It's directed impeccably. The performances are fantastic. One of the things about the original Watchmen is that it, it uses a very unconventional construction as far as stories within stories and cutaways to things that seem like they are completely unrelated when, when they're actually supporting the theme and they tie back in later. And so this series actually mirrors the construction of the graphic novel on a macro level, which is brilliant. Um, But you wouldn't know that if you didn't have a familiarity with it. I think that this has two episodes in it that are masterworks. I think episode three, she was killed by space junk. It's absolutely stellar. Uh, it's, and I'm trying to keep things as generic as, as possible. Uh, but it's where we start to meet a lot of the, uh, characters that are going to be with us for the rest of the time. And then the penultimate episode of this, which is a God walks into a bar, Angela, a bar, if you will, mm-hmm. is it may be my favorite episode of television I've ever seen. It is unbelievably brilliant in its construction and its writing uh, and its execution. And it is only enhanced with your knowledge of Dr. Manhattan and how he works in the original graphic novel. So all, all I can say is it's I believe it is unfortunate That people are going to watch this without the because the graphic novel is not an easy read. Uh, Daniel, you mentioned how this series takes on racism. Very much, the original graphic novel took on the Cold War um, and paranoia of the United States versus Russia and the threat of impending nuclear war. And so, uh, Lindelof has said that in in this universe, he wanted to use the social issue there was racism and so it it confronts that in a in a very poignant way it's absolutely uh stellar and one of the highlights of the series so overall it's just one of those things that i'm i don't want to cop out but i have to say that if i had watched this without any foreknowledge i believe i probably would have felt exactly like mm. you did daniel
1: yeah so did there you are, understand in the earlier episodes did you understand or at least have a guess at what jeremy irons yes. was doing did you fully understand what he was doing?
0: Uh, no, no, no. Okay. So, I mean, I, it'd be impossible for me to fully understand what he was doing or where he is, yeah, yeah. per se. But I knew, even though the show didn't say it, because I knew who that character was. Oh, okay. Um, and, and because I knew who that character was and what they did in the first one, which you eventually learn about yeah, uh, I, in, in the series. Yeah, I understand
1: series. it now, but yeah.
0: Right. But so knowing that, seeing those early episodes, I knew that something was going on because Dr. Manhattan had done something with him, right? Mm, so yeah. I knew that. And so it it's jarring, even knowing that it's jarring, and you're like, whoa, yeah. that was a hard left turn. What in the world it's, is it's happening? it's
1: fully disconnected for those first few episodes from anything yep. going on with any other characters. And so yep. it's just very strange. It is. And no <clears throat> explanations, no hints for the it, first it is. five episodes. Of anything, any way that he's connected, and so now I, I understand it after I watch it, which is fine. That's too long to make me wait. Too I understand, long.
0: and I and I agree, and that's why, and that's why I say that this this singular piece of art, and and we should say too, that Lindelof has said he doesn't have any more stories mm-hmm. to tell yeah. in this universe. So if HBO decides to do a season two. Uh, Number one, I think that would be a mistake. But number two, Lindelof will not be be involved with it. But I think this is a singular work that is a companion piece to the first, and I don't think it works. It works, but it doesn't really fully work without the first one. Mm. And unfortunately... I think you're, there are a lot of people that probably feel exactly like you do, because even with the knowledge that I had, there were times where I was a little bit like, uh, I think I know what's yeah. going on, but I'm not sure. I understand that I will probably be the outlier in saying that I feel like this whole thing is, is a masterpiece, but I really do, because it beautifully ties in as an expansion and a continuation of the themes uh, and the characters and the ideas behind who watches The Watchmen, and yeah. so... Me, I, I really I love do it.
1: It. <laughs> I do enjoy it though I, I really did enjoy it I think um, that sixth episode I believe it's the sixth episode uh, which is a black and white episode mm-hmm. um, and it, and that really starts to Fantastic. tie things together so yep. much and that was really great that was a great episode um, and then and then from there on everything starts to kind of the puzzle pieces start to come together and uh, I think the ending was great um, yeah you know, final shot. Even, uh, the yeah. very final shot was really, good. So it was awesome. expected. I knew exactly, s- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew exactly how it was going to end, but like it, re- it was good. They gave me what I wanted and that was fine. And so, yeah. um, yeah, so I, uh, overall, um, overall, e- even as frustrated as those five episodes made me, it was still worth it in the end. So, um,
0: I agree. Yeah. And I think at some point now, I think we have reached the point where we're going to have to get give uh, Damon Lindelof, give him, let him off the hook a little bit for the ending of Lost. I know not a lot of people love it. I loved it, but not a lot of people do because he has landed the plane. I think the finale of The Leftovers is one of the great finales of all time. And I think he, he landed the plane on this one in a really great way as well. So I think maybe Lost taught him and he's learned how to... Uh, how to close out a series. Yeah, what not to
1: do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, in either case, it sounds like both of us, Daniel, I think you would still recommend this. Yeah, yes, I
1: would. Yeah. I think it's still worth a watch if you can really get get past those first few episodes.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm just thankful that HBO continues to make this kind of challenging television. It's fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, high recommend for me, especially if you've read the graphic novel. I think it will enrich that experience tremendously. So with that, Daniel, let's move in to our top three.
1: Three. Two, one, the top three. All right. We have a very different top three for you this week because of the coronavirus. Lots of people are stuck at home in quarantine or just social distancing. And so and we highly encourage that. And so we want to give you a few recommendations of things that are on Netflix right now that you should watch. So, we have our top 3 Netflix recommendations. Obviously, this is one of the most broad um, top 3s we've ever done. And so, I think our approaches to this list could be very, very different. And so, Chad, how did you pick these 3 movies and what is your number 3 pick?
0: Well, so I I have to be honest and say that I split this into two, into television and movies, because Boo. listen, people are going to be at home for like a week or two weeks or longer. And so I felt like as a service to our faithful listeners, I needed to give them the option. So Chris is not here to bend the rules. So I took up his mantle tonight. So I did three now. And how I did it was I kind of did more than three. So I kind of did like a. Did. Well, here's the thing, I because we can do honorable mentions, right? So the idea is that there are these mountaintop movies and television shows that I don't know that everyone has seen that they should watch. But I did strive to try and pick stuff that maybe people had not seen yet. So that's that's where I landed. So... Well, you want me to go to TV or movies? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh,
1: give, give me give me your number three or of Or both.
0: Each. So with TV, what I did was I, again, tried to pick things that maybe people had not seen. And so my number three is American Vandal. So this yeah. is a show that if you watch it without knowing what it is, you may think that you have stumbled on to a, a great true crime thing because it's made in that way. But spoiler alert, it's... All fake. It's a show that's made to mimic those true crime stories, but it's done in a way that is actually thrilling and compelling. And you want to know what happened. So, and not a lot of people know about this show. So American Vandal.
1: Okay, great. Now give me a number three movie. Oh,
0: sorry, I forgot movies. So movies, this one was a little bit harder because, again, I'm trying to pick ones that people haven't seen. So my number three is The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected. Uh, this huh. is Noah Baumbach. No no surprise that I'm a fan of his. Obviously, Marriage Story is also on Netflix. It was my number one of the year. You should see that if you haven't. Uh, but this is this is a really fine movie. Uh, it has um, Adam Sandler and um, Ben Stiller in a really um, funny but also um, poignant story about family. It's very eccentric and excellent. So that's my number three.
1: Very good. All right. Well, I only have movies for you today. I didn't cheat. <laughs> so, um, so for me, I I, I didn't just want to pick like the three movies that are the absolute best. Um, or and I felt like it was too difficult of a task to pick deep cut movies that you might not have seen. So, so for me, I'm picking movies that you've probably you may you probably to maybe have seen before um but i'm going to tell you why why now is a good time to revisit these specific movies all right so first up i have groundhog day so yes you probably all seen right. this movie but for those of you in quarantine or locked in your house things might get really repetitive for a little bit of time it might feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over again so why not revisit groundhog day and see someone cope with uh, with that same kind of feeling in in a light-hearted, romantic way. So it's a phenomenal movie and, and uh, definitely something that could really brighten your mood if you need that. So Groundhog Good pick. Game. All right, give me your number two TV show and movie.
0: You know, I know we're talking about Netflix, Daniel, but we should highlight the fact that we are staying exactly in Netflix. and some future shows, we may jump into Prime Video yeah. or Hulu or whatever. Yeah. So this is just Netflix. Yeah, these are available on um, Netflix. So, my number three or number two TV show is a show that I talked about recently. Uh, but I don't think enough people have um, have seen it. It's Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Show uh, it stars Brie Larson, uh, a great cast of characters. It is loosely based on a true story, uh, for sure. A true organization, the the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling was a real thing back in the '80s when wrestling um, began to take off uh, through the advent of cable television, et cetera, et cetera. And this is a show that is not really about wrestling. It's really about the relationships of these women who are just from all different walks of life and are trying to find a way to make it and the friendships that develop and the relationships that develop are wonderful. The writing is sharp and the performances are great. So Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. You know, I still have uh,
1: not watched Glow yet. So that's, Really, that's yeah, not watched single. You
0: episode. need you need to. It is it's a it's a great, great show. And next is a movie, it's an older movie, my number two movie, The City of God. This is a movie that's about 18 years old. It was released in 2002 by Fernando, it could be Morel, I'm going to butcher that last name, but he directed The Constant Gardener and The Two Popes, and it's a story about two kids that are intertwined into some organized crime in the slums of Rio and about that experience. This is... A movie that it is a magnificent yeah. film but not a lot of people have seen it um, and so it is available on Netflix now and so if you've got some time it's a, a crime drama and so it's got a, a lot of intrigue and characters and it's just it's a fantastic film so i recommend that highly
1: yeah yeah I, I saw that for the first time i believe last year and man it oh. is so good uh awesome yeah and it, it's it's really it's kind of one of those like down and dirty kind of shot mm-hmm. like scraped together kind of films and it, it yeah and it actually really helps the atmosphere of the movie a lot so it does yeah definitely that's a great great recommendation so for my number two pick so you, you chose a film from the director of one of last year's Oscar contenders, The Two Popes. And uh, so my number two pick is also from the director of last year's, uh, uh, one of the underdog films from last year. It's Snowpiercer from director Bong Joon-ho. Uh, so he, he just directed Best Picture winner Parasite. And uh, yeah. th- we, we mentioned this a few weeks ago as we were talking about Bong Joon-ho and all that. And so you may have revisited this recently because of Joon-ho's success. But here's the deal. Um, this movie is phenomenal. It is really, really good. Uh, just good action, um, good intense kind of post-apocalyptic uh, setting that's really unique and interesting, kind of about class warfare and all that stuff. Um, it's fantastic. Fantastic movie. And So why why am I recommending this one right now? Well, what better film to get give you a really good perspective of of what a coming potential coming apocalypse, right? Things could be worse, things could be worse, uh, and so, uh, so you know, I do expect things to get worse for us here in the states, but it's not going to get this bad, okay? So,
0: could be eating jello made of roaches very yes, soon.
1: exactly. So, maybe that's a very roundabout way of trying to recommend this movie, but I, whatever, I'm gonna go with it, all right? So, there you go. So, my number two recommendation is Snow Piercer.
0: That's solid. Very solid recommendation.
1: So back to you, Chad. Your number one TV recommendation and film recommendation.
0: Number one TV recommendation is without reservation, and I'm saying it again because more people need to see it, and that is Fleabag.
1: The only thing harder than having to tell your super high-powered, perfect, anorexic, rich super sister that you've run out of money is having to ask her to bail you out. I'm just going to ask her. I'm just going to come... Do you need to borrow money? No. The boys want to be her. No! It's me! I thought I was going to get raped! You don't like other girls. <laughs> you can keep up.
0: Uh, it is two, only two seasons. That's all we're going to get both of them are brilliant. Both of them are brilliant. It's uh, Phoebe Waller bridge Unbelievable performances. It's that uncomfortable humor um, while exploring real pain that is, uh, the pathos is just off the charts in this, and it's also really hilarious, and you will fall in love with these characters, but Fleabag is top-notch. And then for my movie, Number one, and again, I've mentioned this a long time ago, but I think people should see it. It came out in 2015, and it is Karen Kusama's The Invitation.
1: Each and every one of us is on a journey, and we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. This beautiful
0: moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. Something doesn't feel safe here. Yeah. Uh, she directed Girl Fight. She directed Destroyer. Um, and this film is one of those slow burns where you don't know what's happening, but there's enough, enough clues along the way where it doesn't cheat. It gives you all the information that you need while ratcheting up the tension to an almost unbearable degree. And the payoff is absolutely worth it. And it's fantastic. So I, I highly recommend people see The Imitation.
1: Very, very good. And, uh, she just, Karen Kusama was just tapped to do, uh, uh, by Blumhouse and Universal to do an updated Dracula, so that could be that nice. could be really cool. Yeah.
0: Hey, after seeing this film for sure, I I'm totally on board with that pick. She she does a marvelous job here. Yep. So yeah, yep, and, and
1: pairing if they take a similar feel to that they did with Invisible Man, um, mm-hmm. I am I am all in. So I'm in. Yeah. Yep great great pay. maybe maybe we'll get to rent that for 20 bucks uh here coming, <laughs> coming <in the> future. <laughs> uh, all right so my number one pick for something to recommend on netflix i have talked about this movie many times over the years because it is uh it is just a phenomenal film also from 2015 and uh that movie is room thank you for letting us do this interview we're grateful to hear your story Thank you to everyone who sent their good thoughts and their prayers. For five years, you made life in that small room, that prison, as nurturing and normal as you could.
0: I'm five. You're five. You are so old now. Yeah.
1: And do you know what we're gonna do today? What? We are going to bake a birthday cake. You chose to tell Jack that room was the whole world, that there was nothing else. good morning plant good morning sink i wanted him to feel safe and that it was a great place for him to live did you ever think you would be free i hoped (laughs) Um, all right this movie is emotionally overwhelming i think that's the best way to describe it and so only watch it if you're you're in the mood for that feeling up to be to being kind of really emotional uh, because that's that's what this film will do but i think it's obvious why i'm recommending it now right it's about being trapped and locked in one small area and so uh so there you go so that's my that's my tie-in to our current situation but it is it's wonderful it is a wonderful powerful movie full of stunning performances i think both brie larson and jacob tremblay's performances are genuinely some of the best performances i mean of of this century i mean i think they are just brilliant brilliant performances both for, um and so yeah i i think it is uh, one of the best movies uh, in a long time and there you go it's available on netflix now so if you're feeling a little trapped but yeah. ready to be uh, emotional that's a good pick for you chad do you have any uh, recommendation uh, you, you already gave six why am i what why am i letting on, you man. why am i letting you do honorable well, mentions we you already how did long them we're gonna be quarantined we right. gotta have some options here all
0: right all right so TV show, Wild Wild Country. It's a very Ooh, yeah. interesting exploration about some uh, crazy stuff. The Chef Show, which is John Favreau. Oh, I've not um, watched that. Is that good? It's actually really good. I mean, he's turning into a fantastic chef. <laughs> uh, and he goes around and visits these different chefs. And they teach him how to make a certain thing. And he cooks with them. And then they talk about movies. And they talk about cooking. And it's great. And then, of course, you've got your classic stuff, obviously. Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, whatever. But Best Movies, uh, I wanted to bring to everybody's attention again. The edge of 17 you can never go wrong that was my top five of that year it's absolutely fantastic uh, Haley seinfeld uh Ballad of buster scruggs is good i lost my body it's an animated uh, nominated yeah. for an oscar it's on netflix you can see it now i think it's wonderful and dolomite is my name if you like raunchy stuff but that's really hilarious with a heart so there you go
1: good recommendations well i've just got a couple here um zodiac um, is just always mm, a good mm, one to masterpiece. revisit. Masterpiece. Yeah, it's just really, really phenomenal. Just rewatched it. It's just so unique. It is so yeah. unique. Um, yeah. And really, really ballsy, to be honest with you. Um, and then Hitch, if you need something just fun. I was scrolling, as I was trying to put this list together, I was scrolling mm-hmm. through and saw that Hitch is on there. Man, I love Hitch. That is it's a, solid. It is a phenomenal. I believe we established on this podcast that it is a uh, a modern classic. So yeah, mm. um, yeah, that's what we we settled on. That yeah. So uh, uh,
0: yeah, we settled on. Yeah, it. we
1: did. So um, I, a couple TV shows. One of my favorite favorite shows of of the past uh, couple years was Master of None, Aziz Ansari's show. Specifically, mm-hmm. season two. Both both seasons are great, but season two, honestly, I would I would could consider season two of master a masterpiece i think that is a brilliant season of television has one of my favorite episodes of tv i I can't remember what episode it is now i think it's one of the like episode seven or eight um is one of my favorite episodes of tv ever ever made so uh so definitely check that out and then a show that just wrapped up very recently on netflix that is bojack horseman um yeah have you watched any bojack
0: I haven't. It's on my list of shame. I am on my way, but I just haven't got a chance to start it yet.
1: Man, BoJack is something I did not ever expect to like, uh, much less love. And it is so weirdly emotional. Uh, there's an episode in the uh, second to last season called, uh, I believe it's called Free Churros. That is just emotionally devastating um, from a TV show about a freaking talking horse actor. I mean, it is <laughs> right. it's, it's ridiculous, but it is it is really really smart and and uh and it's very surprisingly emotional so they they just yeah definitely check it out i actually have not finished the last season so that's one thing i'm going to be watching in the coming yeah. days so so those are our netflix recommendations let us know what you're watching let us know what you're watching not just on netflix but as we're all locked up here uh give us recommendations we we want to know we need some stuff to watch too so Absolutely. so let us know what you're watching uh on any of the platforms um we look forward to some TV shows that are coming out in the coming days. Um, we don't know exactly what our next episode is going to consist of, so we we will uh, we will keep you updated as we figure that out. Um, but we're definitely going to have content coming your way soon. So make sure you follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Stay in touch. Um, and uh, and hey, above all, right now in this season, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, you know, be respectful of others. Um, and and let's, uh, let's, try to, let's try to flatten this curve here, right? All right. And we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.